I doubted myself. I doubted my abilities. I had a PhD for heaven's sake, but so did a lot of other people there. The imposter syndrome was thick that day for me. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start. I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm both excited and nervous to talk about our topic today, imposter syndrome. I'm excited because I think this topic is really important to talk about, but I'm nervous because I'm going to get very authentic and tell some stories that I haven't told before. Let's get started. Imposter syndrome. What even is it? It's that feeling that you're going to be found out at some point that you really don't have the qualifications to do the thing that you are literally already doing or are trained to do, that someone is going to one day tap you on your shoulder and say, oh, hey, we figured out who you really are. You need to go. First studied in high achieving women, although anyone can have imposter syndrome, yes, even men, it turns out high achievers, even though they have credentials and a ton of accomplishments, believe that they really aren't that great and that they fooled everyone around them. Sometimes it's situational, and sometimes it's all-encompassing. You doubt yourself. It's a feeling of not trusting yourself or your value. It's a feeling of unworthiness, of not belonging. I was once at a women's leadership program, and someone in the audience asked a female senior executive if they'd ever experienced imposter syndrome. And she answered, actually, No, she hadn't in her career. The woman who asked the question kind of slinked back into her seat, looking like she felt not great for asking that question. I wanted to run up to her and say, me, me, I have. I missed that opportunity. So this is the story that I would have if she asked me. Yes, I've had imposter syndrome before, like a lot. It is super common and not just at the beginning of your career. Imposter syndrome is super fun because it can happen all throughout your life. Pretty sneaky thing. Today, I'll tell you a story about when it happened to me early in my career. And then much later, I'll tell you about the differences and similarities and how I deal with it now when it crops up. 
because it still does. So I'll take you all the way back to just after graduate school. I had just defended my dissertation. I had started applying for jobs and was in the middle of managing all of that. I decided to borrow $300 for a flight and registration from my parents to attend a job fair at a conference in Los Angeles called PSYOP, the Society for Industrial Organizational Psychologists. This is an annual conference attended by graduate students, academics, and practitioners in my field of study. People present their research or present different organizational outcomes to each other. It's also a place where grad students in the field hope to find a job or an internship and go to network. While in LA, I stayed with my childhood best friend, Helena, who had moved out there and was living in Pasadena. Helena gifted me this beautiful white blazer to wear from Banana Republic for my interviews that her mom had bought her that she'd never worn. I had brought several interview outfits, but that jacket gave me the extra pep in my step on that first day at the job fair. I had several copies of my resume in tow and was super nervous to network and interview. I had pre-applied to several jobs before the conference. I preferred a job in Texas, which was home, but many opportunities were outside of the state. And really, I just wanted my first real job out of graduate school. I had a few meet and greets lined up and I went to the job fair to apply for more positions. There was this one job that I had chosen not to pre-apply for. It was for a small consulting firm outside of Dallas. They were looking for new PhDs with specific experience. And while I had the credentials, I didn't have the experience. I'd done focus groups and other consulting work in my grad school days, but never the specific things that were written on the job description. I didn't meet the objective criteria, so I didn't apply. So back then searching and applying for jobs online was a thing like on monster.com and careerbuilder.com. But when I got to the job fair in person, it was a very manual process. As an applicant, you had to put your paper resume in an employer's box to be considered for a job at the job fair. If the company was interested in you, then they would call you on site for an interview right then. And there I was looking at this big credenza thing with a Dropbox slot marked for each company. I had my fancy faux leather portfolio my dad had let me borrow to put my newly printed resumes in. And I was standing there looking at all the boxes. To say the least, I was very nervous. And y'all, I was alone in the room. There wasn't even anybody else there. I had gotten there early. I opened up my portfolio and reviewed the notes that I took. Which companies did I want to submit my resume to? I grabbed one copy of my resume and put it in for a gig in Oklahoma and another for a job in New Jersey. I had my resume in my hand, staring down the box for the employer that I didn't pre-apply for, the one outside of Dallas. But I hadn't pre-applied because, you know, I wasn't qualified for that one. I stared at my resume, and then the box, and then the resume, and then the box. And I held my breath and quickly shoved my resume into the box and then ran out of there as quickly as I could before I could change my mind. What a rule breaker applying for a job that I wasn't even qualified for. I doubted myself. I doubted my abilities. I had a PhD for heaven's sake, but so did a lot of other people there. The imposter syndrome was thick that day for me. After many job interviews with different companies, guess which job I ended up getting? You know, that one, the one I almost didn't apply for. Fast forward 15 years later, I'd been an executive for multiple years. 
I was a seasoned executive coach, developing high potential talent to lead within the organization and building huge global capability programs. I was looking for my next career move and started putting out feelers externally to see what was out there. I wanted to continue to grow and develop, to lead a bigger team, and to belong to a mission-driven organization. I started looking and connecting with some trusted colleagues in my network, and I saw a position that checked all the boxes. Global organization, leading a big team, mission-driven, and it met my goals of growth, development, and achievement. I read the job description on the role and the qualifications. I didn't know much about that organization at the time, but knew someone who was interviewing with them. I did some research on their website and their social media presence where I found another job description for the same job. But this job description was much more detailed. It showcased more qualifications, qualifications that I didn't have. I wasn't a global citizen. I had global roles, but I didn't get to travel very much. I didn't have all of the qualifications. I didn't check all the boxes. And in that moment, I decided not to apply. Again, doubt, it creeps in. You question yourself. You question your qualifications. Who am I to apply to this? Another day thick with imposter syndrome. In the next several weeks, I had met my friend to catch up. She told me about the company that she ended up working for. It was the company for the job that I didn't apply to because, you know, the role was too big for me. She tells me that there's a job that she thinks that I'd be qualified for. Guess what? It's the role that I didn't apply to. I tell her right then point blank, I'm not qualified for that job. In return, she says very easily, you can do that job, Laura. You need to apply to it. And guess what? This time I believed her. And more importantly, I believed me. I believed in my qualifications and what I brought to the table. I went home and reviewed the job description again. Now with my friend's voice in my head, I submitted my resume online. I put my resume in the box, the figurative box. Months later, I accepted that position. 15 years later, I was still in my head telling myself reasons why I couldn't do something, why I'm not good enough, why someone else is better. I know the research that women tend to underrepresent themselves on their resumes and downplay their skills. They think they must have 100% of the qualifications on a job description to even apply. Guess what? That statistic is a lot lower, closer to 60% for men for them to apply. I know these things, yet I still did them. 15 years later, I still did them. Here's what you can do to get through it faster when it does crop up, because it will. One, Center yourself in your values. That's your truth. Imposter syndrome, that's the lie. The doubt is a lie. Don't believe it. Go back to your values. That's what centers me. So what's true? My values are family, growth, development, achievement, advocacy, and balance. The truth is, is that I'm an achiever. I've accomplished a lot of great things. Go back to that truth. I develop others. That's my passion. Go back to that truth. The second thing that you can do is to create an encouragement file and look at it when you need that encouragement. Sometimes it's hard to remember your value or even your accomplishments. Talking about my accomplishments to others has always been hard. I mostly attribute this to my introversion and to being a collaborator at heart. 
I love to talk about the greatness of others, but it feels awkward to do it for myself sometimes. Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith write about this in their book, How Women Rise. They outline 12 behaviors holding women back. The first being reluctance to claim your achievements. The reason behind this behavior they describe is that women don't want to be that person. You know that person, the one that always talks about how great they are. Women want to do their work and they want to do it so that it's good work that will get noticed. But all too often, good work goes unnoticed and mediocre work gets rewarded because the squeaky wheel is getting that oil. I heard a suggestion in a leadership class to keep an encouragement file in your email. The strategy is to file away all the positive emails you receive from mentors or managers or direct reports from vendors all in one place so that when you're feeling discouraged or unmotivated or just having a hard day, you know, an imposter syndrome day, you can look in that file and see the impact that you're making on others. It gives you a glimpse of your actions in a positive way and can bring you out of your slump. Comments from previous performance reviews or your 360 reviews are also a great place to grab words from others about you. There's treasure troves of great sound bites about your leadership strengths there. The third thing that you can do is to take action. Do something, anything, take a small step. In the first example, my first small step was putting a piece of paper in a box and then literally beelining it out of the room. In the second example, I talked it out with a trusted colleague and then I took action. For me, if I center myself in my values and take action, after years now in my career, the time that I'm in imposter syndrome and in that loop is less. I'm out of my head faster. It's not that I'm never in the loop. There's still times that I absolutely have it, but the time that I'm there is less. And I can see clearer through the fog of the lies of imposter syndrome, because remember they're lies. I'm still learning and unlearning. I recently found an article that I'm recommending talking about the importance to question whether something is really imposter syndrome. There's a great article that came out in Harvard Business Review called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome that we'll be linking in the show notes about how for some, the source of the doubt isn't imposter syndrome at all. It's actually bias and racism in cultures and organizations that produce feelings of doubt, especially for marginalized individuals. The next time you feel these feelings of imposter syndrome, and not when, but next time, challenge the belief. Center yourself in your worth and your values and put your resume in the freaking box. That's our episode for today. Remember, your leadership belongs here. You belong in the C-suite. I'm more than thrilled to introduce a new program that our community has asked for. We are launching the You Belong in the C-Suite group coaching program. I've been coaching for over 10 years, and one thing I know is that sometimes you need accountability to make progress. Over the last few weeks, I've had multiple sessions with leaders who know that they need a change. They put so much into their work every day, but they aren't fulfilled. With group coaching, you get an individualized plan to take action on what matters most. And the best part? You get friends to go along the journey with you. You'll learn together. You'll celebrate together. The world needs your leadership. How will you bring it to them? Is it setting concrete boundaries so you can live a more fulfilled life? Is it setting a path for a bigger job at a company that aligns with your values? 
Learn more at thecatchgroup.com to apply to You Belong in the C-Suite Group Coaching Program. The world needs more diversity and authenticity. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-Suite. Apply now at thecatchgroup.com. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a show. Editing and support for this podcast is from SNE Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.